This is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW. Welcome to Dollars and Cents. I'm Elaine Scollin, along with Blair Manton from Sands & Associates. They're experts in helping you get out of debt. Uh, on the line with us is Mark Silverthorne. He's a nationally recognized expert on the Canadian collection industry. He spent 12 years as a collection lawyer working for some of the country's largest collection agencies and at one point was sending out more collection letters than any other lawyer in this country. I had to laugh, Mark, when I read that. <sighs> Um, he, it was interesting too, reading about your epiphany that you had after, uh, after which you decided to represent consumers struggling with debt. And back in 2010, Mark wrote a book called The Wolf at the Door, What to Do When Collection Agencies Come Calling. And then in October of 2019, he retired from the practice of law, passion for helping Canadians with debt problems continued. And on March 1st of this year, he launched Debt Coach Silverthorne, an online consulting firm aimed at empowering Canadians struggling with debt. Uh, that was so interesting to read, Mark, and I'm so looking forward to this segment with you. Uh, so welcome, welcome, welcome. It's wonderful to be here. Well, thank you, Mark. Um, as Elaine said, I'm really excited to have you as a guest today on, on the program. Um, and I'm really excited because I know you've been doing a lot of work on financial education lately and putting together um, some pretty detailed YouTube videos, uh, really aiming to shed some light on, I think, some parts of the industry where it's maybe not as well understood as it should be, you know, what the players are doing, how it all structures, and what's in the best interest of consumers. So I saw your most recent YouTube video with the pretty provocative title is Credit Counseling for Suckers. Um, and that's what I want to talk to you about today. Um, so I wanted to start off with a bit of the definition. So what do you mean when you talk about credit counseling? You know, what types of organizations provide the services and what services do they actually provide? Well, uh, credit counseling is one debt relief option that is available to Canadian consumers, and essentially what happens is when a person signs up for credit counseling, they are going to repay 100% of their current outstanding principal and interest owing to some of their creditors, plus they are going to pay a fee to the credit counseling agency, and they're going to be making monthly payments over a period of five years. There so, are two so different. Consumer, oh, sorry. Go ahead, Mark. Yep. Well, there are two different uh, entities that offer credit counseling. There's one group that are nonprofit, and there's another group that are, I guess you would call them independent or for profit. I guess from the perspective of the consumer, it doesn't really matter which of these entities that you sign up for credit counseling, you're, you're essentially getting the same service. So an indebted consumer would go to see a credit counselor. They'd say, I've got all this debt on a bunch of different credit cards, due to loans, income taxes, whatever. The credit counselor uh, would try to work out a plan where they pay everything off. They hopefully get a break on the interest and all that has to happen inside of five years. Is that a fair summary of how a credit counseling plan would work? Well, 
one one of the issues with credit counseling is what debts are available to be put into a credit counseling plan. Number one, uh, there's no obligation on the part of creditors to agree to have one of their debts included in an individual's credit counseling plan. And so there are organizations like uh, finance companies that routinely refuse to have their debts included in a consumer's credit counseling plan. And then there's all, there are certain categories of debt that are not permitted to be included in a credit counseling plan. And that would include monies owing to the government, so income tax, student loans, and also secured debt so that more, you know, if you owe money on your mortgage or if you, if you know, you've, you've got a secured car loan, then those debts cannot be included in your credit counseling plan. Right. So in, in the example I, w- I was giving there, the credit counselor would say, you know, yeah, I can help you with the credit cards. You know, let, let's see if we can do an interest freeze on that. But the student loans, the income taxes, that's just going to have to continue to get paid is what it sounds like, right? Correct. Okay, and then, Mark, in your video, uh, you said, you know, at your recent YouTube video, credit counseling can be the most expensive way to eliminate your debt. And I imagine that would surprise some listeners because most of the time when you hear about credit counseling, it's, hey, you're in a tough spot. Um, you know, this is going to be the best way for you to get out of debt. It's going to save you a bunch of money. Your contention is that it's well, actually one of the more, more expensive ways. And you've said there's five buckets that your payments can fall into inside a credit counseling plan. Can you take me through that, how the payments work and why you think this is? Is the most expensive way to eliminate debt? Right. Well, let's start with the five buckets. So bucket number one is you're paying 100% of the principal and interest that you owe to your creditors on the date of your enrollment into credit counseling. The second bucket is the fees that are paid to the credit counseling agency. Now, I live in Ontario, and under Ontario law, a credit counseling agency is entitled to charge an, an additional 15% of whatever debt is included in a debt settlement plan as administrative fees. Number three, it is possible that some interest that is accruing on some of the debt that's included in the debt in the credit counseling plan uh, so what credit counseling uh, agencies do is they negotiate with a person's creditors to get interest forgiveness during the life of the credit counseling plan, but they can't, uh, they can't guarantee that. So a person who signs up for credit counseling may be paying some interest during the life of their plan. So the credit so the, counselor has to go kind of case by case with each of the debts and say, hey, will you agree to an interest freeze? And some just might not. And then the, the individual might still be stuck paying the interest on that debt. That's correct, right? Okay, correct. Now, payment, uh, bucket number four, you are not going to be able to include all of your debts in your credit counseling plan. So any creditor who says, no, 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 you can't include that, and your bank may say, you can't include that debt in your credit counseling plan because we want you to borrow the money. Or, you know, we want, you've got equity in your home. We want, you to, we want you to borrow the money and pay the debt. Or the finance company may say, we're not going to allow you to include that debt in the plan. Or there's certain categories of debt 
like secured debt or monies owing to the government that you cannot include in a credit counseling plan. And finally, if you've been sued or if your wages are being garnished, then you know um, doing credit counseling is going to be of no benefit to you. You know, in contrast, if you were to do a consumer proposal, that would stop any wage garnishments. So, so just focusing there for a second, Mark. So you've been sued on your debts. You go in and see a credit counselor. There's, there's nothing that credit counselor can do in regards to those debts that you've been sued on. Is, is that right? Yeah, they, they, they don't have any leverage in, in terms of... In, in, in terms of stopping the lawsuit or stopping the wage garnishment. Mm-hmm. So, Mark, what would you estimate it, it costs people if they're going through a credit counseling plan, um, you know, to eliminate a dollar of debt, you know, considering these fees and, you know, we don't know other debts that may or may not be included, but in general, what would be your estimate of something going through, someone going through a credit counseling plan, how much should they be expecting to, to repay on their debt? Well, I'm going to say somewhere between, in order to eliminate $1 of your existing debt, like today, if you were to sign up for credit counseling, there is a, you're going to be paying 100% of what, of what your current outstanding interest and in, in principal is. You're also going to be paying fees to the credit counseling agency, which can add another 15%. Plus, you're, you may have uh, interest that is not going to be forgiven on on debts included in the credit counseling plan, and then you're going to have some of your debts which may not be included in your credit counseling plan. So I estimate that it could be anywhere between a cost any a consumer anywhere between one dollar and fifteen cents and one dollar and thirty cents. To eliminate one dollar of your existing debt, and wow. that that is the worst debt relief option that is available to Canadians. It is the most expensive debt relief option. Well, and, and that's a bold statement, but I, I think your math your math backs it up. So, if if you're someone who can't afford to pay your debts, you know paying off them in full plus 15 to 30 cents extra on the dollar. You know, how can that be your best option? And you're, you're saying, Mark, it's not your best option. It's actually your worst option in many cases. Well, yeah, I mean, there's, there's very, there's, there's, I would say probably only, you know, less than 5% of people who are signing up for credit counseling probably should be doing it. And 95% of people who have signed up for credit counseling, you know, they, they're not being well served. They would have had better options in terms of eliminating their debt. Mm-hmm. Now, Mark, I know we're going to hold you over for a second segment here. We want to talk about, you know, the other alternatives to credit counseling and how they compare. Uh, but I was just curious from a regulation point of view, and I know we hadn't planned to talk about this, but I, I thought Ontario a few years ago, they changed some regulations around credit counselors that, you know, essentially made them similar uh, to collection agents. Are you able to speak to that? You know, does that make sense, the way Ontario regulates credit counselors these days to make them akin to a collection agent? Well, I mean, you can go on the Ontario government's website and it will list all of the firms that are 
have to be registered as a collection agency in the province. Mm-hmm. And any firm that is a credit counseling agency must be registered as a collection agency in Ontario. So you've got um, Credit Canada Debt Solutions has got 18 collection agency licenses in the province of Ontario because they have 18 separate physical locations. And Credit Canada Debt Solutions is one of the three largest credit counseling uh, agencies in Canada. I'm just going to step in here, guys, and uh, wrap up the segment. Yeah, Uh, we've been talking with Mark Silverthorne, nationally recognized expert on the Canadian collection industry. Uh, His uh, the the videos, uh, the one specific video we've been talking about is Credit Counseling for Suckers is available on YouTube site. So nice and easy to find. Uh, I want to thank you so much, Mark, for joining us today. Thank you very much. You're listening to Dollars and Cents with Blair Manton from Sands & Associates, helping you get out of debt. We're continuing our interview with Mark Silverthorne. He's a nationally recognized expert on the Canadian collection industry, uh, spent many years as a collection lawyer, uh, and then saw the light and has dedicated the rest of his uh, working life to helping Canadians who are struggling with debt. Uh, the mantra for the company now, his new firm, online consulting firm, is empowering Canadians struggling with debt. Uh, and I just want to mention the website if you'd if you want to jot this down, it's debtcoachsilverthorn.ca, and it's chock-a-block full of great articles as well as access to the YouTube videos of which we talked about in our first segment and we'll touch on again in this second segment. So welcome, Mark. Uh, welcome back to our second segment on the show. Blair? It's great, it, it's great to be here. Great. Thank you. Excellent. And Mark, yeah, so thank you. So in our first segment, I, I was really happy we went through, we discussed about credit counseling, discussed, you know, how you believe it's the most expensive way for a Canadian to eliminate debt. And it seems to be so, especially, I think, with the calculation of, you know, you're going to pay everything back plus 15 to 30% premium on top of that. Um, that's one of the more expensive ways for someone who can't even afford to pay back their debt to say they're going to be looking at, you know, even more than their balance is owing is not too encouraging, I think, for someone in that situation. So I thought for our second segment today, Mark, can we talk a little bit about how credit counseling compares to the alternatives? Because on dollars and cents, we're all about helping people understand, you know, here's the lay of the land, here's all the things you could potentially do, and then people can pick the best option that fits their circumstances. But what would you say are the different ways people can get out of debt, and how do they compare and contrast with doing a credit counseling plan? Well, one of the things that that what happens is that when a creditor assigns an account to a collection agency, in some circumstances, the they freeze the interest rate. So no interest is accruing. So in those circumstances, the consumer would be better off making monthly payments directly to the creditor or the creditor's collection agent. In contrast, if they were to do credit counseling, they would be paying a, a fee as much as 15% on top of the the debt that they are repaying to the to the creditor 
And I think that that's so unknown, Mark, that, that you know, once you're put into collections, you know, it's probably not the best day that you're having, but it might actually be a positive thing and that you might be going from a very high interest rate to a, some collectors, again, to your point, they're not charging interest. So if someone just had a single debt, if the collector's not charging interest, they're going to be better off dealing with that directly with the collector rather than going through a credit counselor where there'd just be fees tacked on top of it. That makes sense, right? Correct. And so other than that, so the, the uh, accounts in, in collections, but maybe there's no interest being charged, what other alternatives? If you've got a debt, you're having trouble paying it. Well, if, if you have not made a payment in six months on your account, then most creditors, they might consider accepting or negotiating a one-time lump sum payment for significantly less than the current outstanding balance of the settlement in full. And, I mean, I've, I've, when I was a consumer lawyer, I negotiated settlements as low as 15 cents on the dollar. Uh, so, it, you know, that's certainly an option for people, particularly if they just have one or two debts. You know, some of the other options would be doing a consumer proposal uh, or seeing in, in for for individuals who do not have high incomes and do not have significant assets, in certain circumstances, it would be advantageous for a person to do uh, to file for personal bankruptcy. There's also the situation where, if a on a on a unsecured consumer debt, if a limitation if a provincial limitation period is expired, a person may be in a situation where they can avoid paying a penny to a creditor. And Mark, can you give just a, a quick overview to our listeners of what that limitation period means? You know, we talk about it occasionally on the show here. It's two years in BC is the statute of limitations. But for someone who maybe isn't familiar with that, what does that mean if a debt is statute barred or is beyond the two-year period or whatever terminology people would use? Well, essentially what it means is that if you were, it makes it difficult for for your for your creditor to collect the money if they haven't sued you within that two-year period. Because if they were to sue you after the two-year period, then what you could do is file a defense and plead the expiry of British Columbia's two-year limitation period as a full and complete defense, and you should be successful. Now, mm-hmm. if you were to be sued and you didn't file a defense, your creditor could get a default judgment against you. So uh, the, you know, just because the two years go by doesn't mean that the debt goes poof. It, it gives you a defense that you can raise in a lawsuit. Right, and so that, that's really important if someone's, you know, in legal proceedings are being commenced against them, they better respond to them because even if they would have an open and shut case, it's, you know, this debt is, is too old, I can't be sued or I can't be forced to pay it uh, unless they're there to make that defense. You know, it's just obviously not going to fly. And that's actually, that's dovetailing into another topic I really wanted to talk to you about today, Mark, is another great video I saw in your on your channel. So we've been talking about is credit counseling for suckers. Uh, you had another video, which was what is the likelihood my creditors will sue me? And I get asked that question a lot um, at Sands and Associates here. Uh, I'm curious your, your take on it. So, you know, first off, what does it mean to be sued for a debt? And what are the scenarios where you might get sued if you owe somebody money and can't pay? Well, when when a person is sued, it's, it's when, when the creditor of uh, you know, prepares a, a legal document commencing a lawsuit, they file it with the court, and then, then you're served with it, 
and then you have so much time to file a defense, and if you don't file a timely defense, then your creditor will get a default judgment against you. Now, if you file a defense, then at some point there's going to be a trial, and your creditor will either be successful or not, and at any time during this process, you can try to negotiate a settlement with your creditor. And how often does that happen that someone owes some debt and they actually would get would get pursued with a with a legal legal remedy like you know like pursuing a judgment against them? Okay, well, I'll just sort of canvas some of the the highlights. Your creditor is going to be reluctant to sue you if the limitation period has expired. Mm-hmm. Creditors are reluctant, or creditors will not sue people for small amounts. So that if you're if you owe two or three thousand dollars to your creditor, the chances are they're not the creditor is not going to sue you. Now, creditors are much more likely to sue you if you own real property, and the reason why is because all they have to do is get a judgment against you and put a lien on your property, and they've essentially got a GIC in your property. And they'll get their money plus interest when you either refinance the property or you sell it. Now, the rest of what I'm going to talk about is is um, is in connection with people who don't own real property. Mm-hmm. Um, if if you've got a great job, your creditor will be tempted to sue you because they would sue you, get a judgment against you, and then do a wage garnishment. And if you've got a great job, you're not going to quit your job. But let's say you've got a low-paying job and a wage garnishment notice gets sent to your employer. Well, what people will typically do in that situation is they'll quit your job, and that ends the garnishment. Mm -hmm. So creditors are reluctant to sue people who have a job um, that's not a particularly high-paying job. And creditors will also be reluctant to sue people where the, where the consumer is paying child support under a court order, or if they've been sued by other creditors, or if they owe significant money to other creditors, or if they're unemployed, or if they're on social assistance, or if they support themselves on a pension. So, so I, I get a lot of panic calls of people saying, oh, my gosh, I've been threatened with legal action. And I tell people, well, they're going to threaten 10,000 out of 10,000 people that owe money. But the actual people that get sued, to your point, Mark, it's the folks that have real estate, who have very stable employment, where, you know, a garnishee order would actually return some money. Uh, those would be the hallmarks of people that might have legal action taken against them. Other folks, much less likely. Yeah, and I, I'll, I'll give you sort of some insights. I mean, I worked for 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 three or four of the largest collection agencies in Canada over a 12-year period. And I sent out hundreds of thousands of letters threatening to sue people. And I doubt if we sued one out of 100,000 accounts. Wow. So, I mean, if you get a letter from a collection agency or a lawyer... Uh, representing a collection agency, threatening to sue you. Uh, I mean, chances are, like, the lawyer hasn't even read the file. I mean, it's just a form letter that goes out. Mm-hmm. So, you know, collection agencies are in the business of hounding people, and they're trying to get the low-hanging fruit, and it's just the, the economics of things. 
if creditors were to sue everybody who owed them money, they would lose money on their bad debt portfolio. And they're in the business of squeezing out, you know, maximizing their profit on their bad debt portfolio. So they cherry pick the files that they want to sue, but they'll threaten to sue everybody. And Mark, we're down to just our, our last couple minutes here, but I really want the listeners to have a chance to know how they can reach you and, and what your new focus is with Debt Coach Silverthorne. So would you be able to give a sense of, you know, what you're, what you're doing with Debt Coach Silverthorne, obviously how people can find these great videos and what type of assistance you might be able to provide? Okay, so our website is uh, debtcoachsilverthorne.ca. And our firm's mantra is empowering Canadians struggling with debt. And if you go on our website, we've got all kinds of articles that would be of assistance to people, uh, you know, struggling with debt. And we've also got, um, you can see all the videos that we've got up on the Debt Coach Silverthorne YouTube channel, including our most recent one is Credit Counseling for Suckers. And I also offer um, uh, one-on-one telephone consultations for people who who think that they need a, a one-on-one telephone consultation. Great. Well, thank you very much, Mark. Uh, Elaine, I think we're, we're coming up on our time. Is that right? Yeah, absolutely. We'll, we'll wrap it up again. Uh, I would like to thank you as well, Mark, for, for being part of the show today. Uh, again, I'll just go over their website. It's debtcoachsilverthorne.ca, chock-a-block full of uh, great articles, as well as the YouTube videos that Mark was talking about, uh, give you some real insight. And, and the fact that the, uh, the company's mantra is empowering Canadians struggling with debt is, uh, maybe just up your alley. You're listening to Dollars and Cents with Blair Manton from Sands and Associates, helping you get out of debt. So we're going to learn in this segment the facts about what can happen if you aren't able to pay your bills. Every day, Blair Manton at Sands and Associates and Sands and Associates at all of their offices throughout British Columbia help folks through challenges that have left them unable to pay or to make all their debt payments. And I know, Blair, that you understand the anxiety of not knowing what's going to come next. So it's such a good segment to get some facts about what can happen if you're not able to pay your debts and where you can get some help. So let's start off with talking about the situations do people generally find themselves in when they're coming to you for guidance about a debt problem. What are what are the what are some of the scenarios that people have? Well, it, it's part of what's so you know interesting, you know, kind of in quotations, interesting about the job is just every story is completely different. Um, you know, there's some hallmarks that are the same, but it's just so many unique individual circumstances. And it's almost always a situation where people were doing just fine uh, and then something happens, some external shock to the system that accumulated a little bit of debt, but they could make payments. But then suddenly someone got sick or someone got injured, or a job was lost, or a whole economy had to shut down for a pandemic, for example, Hmm. or perhaps there was a relationship breakdown like a divorce or a separation. So any of those external shocks, you know, the best practice is that we should all have an emergency fund of at least three to six months of fixed expenses, but most people don't, unfortunately. So when there's a shock that can interrupt an income or really increase some expenses, a lot of people start to rely on credit. And oftentimes we can feel like, you know, we're alone completely. We're the only person that's facing this circumstances and maybe we've made some poor decisions that you know we deserve to suffer for and you know the the right way to look at this is you're not alone at all it's in fact in 2019 
4.6, just under 5, of every 1,000 Canadians in Canada filed for insolvency. So that might not sound like a lot, but a lot of people in Canada, and this adds up to you know, between 100 and 150,000 filings on an annual basis for either a bankruptcy or a proposal. So it's a lot of people that can find themselves in difficult situations, often due to no fault of their own and just some external situations that really com- uh, all came together to put them um, you know, unable to pay their debts as, as they go forward. Can you take us through some of the common things that can happen um, to someone if or to you if you're not able to make your debt payment on time? What what comes up first or is there something that comes up first versus second or is there do they all Mm -hmm. come up? Yeah, all of these might come up on various in various cases or sometimes just one or two. But, you know, one that we see quite often, this one I almost chuckle a little bit with black humor, is they, the first thing creditors often do when you can't pay your debts, they start to increase the price. They start to charge you more interest. So um, you start to lose often, you know, your preferred customer interest rate. And then suddenly you're at an increase in interest rate, which could be as much as 10% higher, sometimes taking you from 19% to 29%. Um, so, you know, that can just feel like, oh, my gosh, I'm having trouble, you know, meeting the obligation now and now my interest rate has increased well that's not good for anybody but that's often what creditors will do Um, continuing along this route and increasing in severity is if you start missing payments and you actually bank where you have a debt um, creditors can seize payments directly from your bank account this is what's known as the right of offset and sometimes it'll be timed you know right when you deposited your paycheck you expect to take out the money for your rent and you find it's all been seized because you owed whatever the bank is you owed their visa or their mastercard some money hadn't paid for a while and deep into your banking agreement and your cardholder agreement, they've got the right to offset your debts against the amount of assets you have with them, which can just cripple somebody at a very inopportune time. I know you've got a great solution for that, too. I just wanted to sort of break in because this is really an, an important oh, point, I think, for folks. Yeah, and thank you for, for making me pause there, Link, because it is really important. The best practice in every situation, I live by this myself, is do not borrow where you are keep your daily banking. So wherever you deposit your bank account, make that only your bank where you keep your money, do all of your borrowing elsewhere. Now your bank is going to counsel you and say, well, no, keep everything under one roof. Um, you know, we'll give you better rates, so on and so forth. My experience is the risk of you giving them access to all of your assets. If you ever have to miss a payment, all your assets within the bank uh, is not going to be outweighed by whatever promotional uh, deals they might give you. So always keep your banking and your borrowing separate is the best practice I recommend to everybody. Uh, One of the other things that can happen is your account can be sent to a collection agency. And when this happens, essentially the bank has given up on the customer relationship. They're not going to worry about being nice anymore. They're going to call in the attack dog, so to speak, who may hound you, um, you know, from morning until night quite excessively. Uh, A lot of people can feel intimidated. And there are things you can do. You know, you can stop the phone calls just by sending a letter. We can tell you how to do all of that stuff. Um, But it doesn't solve the problem. Just stopping the phone calls, you still do all the money. And then finally, creditors can threaten and then actually proceed with some legal action. They could try to seize your wages or try to seize some assets. If you had a real estate or a car with no loan, for example, some of those assets could be seized if, you, if you're delinquent on your debts and have been, have been sued. So if any of this sounds like a situation you're in or someone else is in, even similar to, and you want to take some action, I'll give you a couple of ideas. First of all, go to Sands and Associates website at sands-trustee.com. Uh, it's filled with some great information that may help you decide what to do next. You can easily set up an appointment by going to the website as well, or you can give them a call at 1-800-661-3030. And just a reminder, they've got offices all over British Columbia. So, Blair, can you talk a little bit more about what happens if a creditor does start legal action for an outstanding debt? 
Yeah, certainly. So this is obviously a very scary situation for someone who's not, you know, working in the legal system all the time who sees this. But, you know, just about everybody who owes money and doesn't pay is going to be threatened with legal action. But it's a very small percentage where a creditor actually proceeds to sue the person. Uh, I've heard it as low as one in 100,000 or as high as one in 10,000. But it's definitely not the case just because you've been threatened. It means you will be taken to court. Odds are you probably won't be. But if you are being taken to court, a couple things to take solace in is, first off, a lawsuit takes a significant amount of time to proceed. So you have to be served with documents, you have to be given a few weeks to reply, then a trial date would be set. All of this time you have the ability to seek help, to figure out what you're going to do, um, you know, to work on your strategy. And if you come and see a licensed insolvency trustee, we can stop all those legal proceedings dead in their tracks so that they can't proceed any further. Uh, now, where this can be, be quite immediate is if you're dealing with Canada Revenue Agency. So Canada Revenue Agency, because them being the government, they don't have to sue you to actually have the same remedies of seizing your assets and seizing your wages. So if you do owe money to the government, it isn't the case you can ignore and wait to be served with documents. Uh, you might find out just without much notice to you that assets or wages have been seized. So it, again, just really reinforces you want to get help from a trustee if it's the government you're dealing with and you're concerned you're not going to be able to meet your obligations. Now, this is where I, you know, you get to blow your horn as a licensed insolvency trustee because out of everybody, of everybody that you could go to, whether it be debt counseling or whatever, a licensed insolvency trustee, you're the only, the only group of, of Canadians who can deal with Canada Revenue Agency. That's correct, Elaine. It's full stop. If you've got a tax debt, the only person that's going to be able to help you pay less than that balance is a licensed insolvency trustee. Short of taking the government to court, spending a ton of legal fees, taking years and maybe losing, um, a trustee is the only person that's going to be able to make this debt um, get down to an amount where you can pay it off, maybe even avoid a bankruptcy if you do a consumer proposal. Or if you do have to go into a bankruptcy, the tax debt would get discharged on that side as well. So a trustee is your way of getting out from under the burden of tax debt. And I want to throw in here, too, is that, you know, taking those big steps about uh, taking CRA on is one thing, but you can start a little bit smaller than that. You could go see somebody at Sands & Associates, sit down and say, this is my situation. What's the best thing for me to do at this point? Or how should, how can this best be handled? Uh, and, and, and I just think that's such a good thing to do because you'll actually be able to help somebody or walk somebody through the process. And that's all we do every day, Elaine, is we have free initial consultations all across the province uh, with people that have a ton of questions. Um, they're generally good people trying to do the right thing, but we can all get a little bit confused of what's going on, who's right, the remedies, and what should I do? And that's what sitting down with a trustee is going to help you figure out how do you navigate uh, this whole world, which most people don't have experience of being in debt and not being able to pay it. It's something you might face, you know, ideally never in your life, but usually the first time you're through it, um, you know, it's all brand new. So by getting help from a trustee, you're going to be sitting down with someone who sees this day in, day out, who's not here to judge, is here to give you a good plan to get you out of debt, avoid being sued for your debts, uh, and really get back in control. And the idea that going to see uh, a licensed insolvency trustee first before you begin to either take action or stop action or just sit back and wait for it all to happen, uh, it's just such a good idea to go and talk to somebody that can help you navigate through the situation. You're listening to oh, Dollars and Cents. Yeah, oh, sorry, go ahead. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, you were going to agree. I figured you were probably going to agree. Oh, dear, that's funny. You're listening to Dollars and Cents. You heard Blair Manton from Sands & Associates. And, of course, Sands & Associates is helping you get out of debt. 
This segment's all all about shopping around for a debt solution and all the different options that are out there these days. If you're looking for a debt solution to either help you pay off or write off a debt, there's a lot of different things that you can consider. And Blair is such a great guy to talk about this. Talk about great tips and key points of consideration uh, if this is the situation that you're in. So before we get into the hows and the, the twos and the tips, Blair, can you talk a little bit about when it's a good idea for a person to consider getting more of a strategy or or outside help uh, with their debt? Yeah, certainly, Elaine. So, you know, finances are obviously a really important component of our life, but sometimes it's the case, you know, you really don't evaluate things unless there's a big blinking red light right in front of you saying, you know, caution, danger, so on and so forth. And it's some, it's the case that, you know, you should periodically check in with your finances and just see how you're feeling on a regular basis. I would encourage, you know, at least every month or at least, you know, a few times a year just to sit down and look at where you're sitting uh, with your assets, your debts, and your income on a monthly basis and try to think if you're experiencing things like you're feeling stressed, you're anxious, or you're constantly thinking about your debt. So is debt starting to consume your day-to-day, starting to take up a lot of your mental energy? Um, consider your credit score. Is it taking some hits now because you've got some large debts, you know, you're off near your credit limits, um, or your debts are starting to exceed what would be an appropriate amount based on your income? Um, start to look at, are you carrying some high-risk debts? And high-risk would be things like a payday loan or a government debt, Payday loans are high risk because they're exceptionally expensive, high interest costs, and government debts are high risk because the government's got the strongest means of collecting at very little uh, notice to you, so it's something you really can't ignore. Um, And then sometimes it's just a case of, are you only able to make your minimum payments? Looking on the long term, you realize all you're going to be doing is paying tons of interest on this debt and not being able to to save money or to actually bring the balances down over time, and that's not the best thing for your overall financial health. So you really need to think, am I feeling stressed about my debt? Is it taking up a lot of my energy? And do I have a clear roadmap that I can see to pay off the debts, you know, using exactly what I'm doing, my existing income without, you know, seeking to reduce the balances or do anything different? I love this next piece, Blair, just because, and you've said it before in other segments that we've done, that if you think you need help or it feels like you need help or suspect that you need, that you have a debt problem and you need some help, you probably do. And I just love that idea that you're empowering people to, to really take action and, 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 and think about their own situation and then get on it and then take some action and do something about it. Exactly. Yeah. If you, if you feel like you have a debt problem, you know, odds are you've had one for a while and, you know, now it's come to the front of your mind. And, you know, if your creditors are threatening to take legal action against you, if you've got the government debt we're talking about, there's just a bunch of debts and you're not able to consolidate them all or you just don't feel confident, you know, all of those things would mean that you'd really benefit from coming in, sitting down with a licensed insolvency trustee. And the options we're going to explain to you are not going to include just the things a trustee can help you with. We're going to look at every potential option, which might include something as simple, well, let's see if you can consolidate this debt together and I'll see if that's the best option for you. I like that you've got some key points on, on, what, on what you need to do to sort of take stock of your situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you've got to be really careful when you research your options um, that you're really... You turn over all the stones, you look up who you're dealing with and, you know, what are their qualifications and be careful for high pressure sales tactics. So, you know, quite often the harder you're being pushed to sign something or move forward on something, the better deal it is for the person that's pushing you and the worse deal it is for you. 
uh, you know, make sure you can actually afford any payments that you're agreeing to. So if you're going to do a debt consolidation, take out a new loan to pay everything off, you know, is that going to be affordable? Or are you just buying yourself an obligation you're not going to be able to satisfy? Um, and make sure you understand all the terms of your agreement. So if your strategy to get out of debt is you're going to consolidate debt but get a co-signer, well, realize now that you've made this debt problem, you've doubled it in size, and now there's two people that are involved in it. And if things don't go according to plan, you might be having a detrimental impact on someone that, you know, just put their name forward to help you, never expecting they might be held accountable to pay off the consolidated debt. Yeah. The other thing I want to mention, too, is if if it sounds like we're already talking about you or someone you know very well and uh, you want to want to get some help or help them get some help, it's so easy to do. Just go to the website for Sands and Associates at sands-trustee.com and give them a call at 1-800-661-3030 and set up that first consultation and sit down and really look at your situation and what you can and what you can do about it. Blair, um, can you talk about the other points to be aware of when it comes to debt consolidation? Because I feel like that's kind of one of the first things that people uh, think about trying to do on their own, or is it? No, absolutely. Debt consolidation is almost the first point uh, where people start. And it makes sense. And what we mean by debt consolidation is instead of having five or six different creditors that you owe money to at different interest rates, you put it all together into one account. And you generally pay a reduced interest rate. In some cases, you pay no interest rate. So debt consolidation can take on a number of forms. What most people think about when they're talking about debt consolidation is a basic consolidation loan. And what that means is a bank or a credit union or a finance company, they provide you with the funds to pay off all of your other debts. And then now you owe that new company the combined balance, but hopefully at a lower interest rate. That's what most people think about. Now, you could also do a home equity consolidation loan, which is quite popular in BC these days, which a lot of people having a lot of equity. You can draw out some of the equity in your home, sometimes called taking a second mortgage. Um, Generally, it's going to be at a pretty low interest rate, and you use that money to pay off all the debt that's been consolidated together. Um, And then you could also do uh, what's considered a balance transfer, where if you've got a card that has a bunch of room on it, sometimes they'll give you a promotion. You can transfer rates over at a low rate, but be very aware there's often transaction costs. It can be one to even up to 3% of the total amount that you're transferring over. So, you know, make sure the numbers do make sense if you're going to be borrowing to do a consolidation. Now, uh, the one thing that we haven't talked about in this segment uh, is the whole concept of being able to consolidate your your uh, debt without borrowing. And, and this is a great opportunity, mm-hmm. I think, to talk about that. Yeah, and that's what I think most people don't understand about debt consolidation is there's a lot of different ways to come at it and you don't have to borrow. So two ways that you can still consolidate your debt without borrowing. One is to consider working with a credit counselor. What they are generally able to do if it's standard, you know, credit cards, consumer debts, things like that with the major banks, they'll be able to consolidate your debts together save you all the future interest and give you up to five years to pay off that balance in full. So it doesn't reduce your debts at all, but at least it stops you from getting further and further uh, behind the eight ball with the interest charges each month. But you are going to pay some fees on top of that. The fees could be upwards of 15 to even 30% of the amount that you're consolidating. So in, in lieu of interest, you are still going to pay some fees. Now, one of the best ways to consolidate debt without borrowing, and I know I'm biased as being a licensed insolvency trustee, but literally making people aware of consumer proposals is why I became a trustee, uh, because I just think it's such an outstanding um, option for people to consider. And with a consumer proposal, all your debts are consolidated together, but it's not a question of you paying back 100% of the debt plus interest. It's a question of what can you reasonably 
afford to repay. And quite often that's in the range of 30 to 50 cents in the dollar, sometimes lower, sometimes higher, but it's almost always less than the full amount. And by law, you're not charged another dollar of interest. And also by law, all of the costs of that proceeding are borne by your creditors. You don't pay anything extra beyond what you can afford to repay on the debt. So it's just a huge difference. If someone had $20,000 and they tried to do a consolidation loan, they'd be paying about $635 a month for three years. And that would be at a 9% interest, which is pretty good for a consolidation loan. If they did a consumer proposal... So let's say they offered to pay off 40% of the debt, the monthly payment would be $220 over three years. So literally less than a third of what they would be paying um, if they had to do a borrowing consolidation. So a consumer proposal can be affordable or other options just aren't affordable. And I, I got to say that the, the folks at Sands & Associates all over the province and all of their offices, so knowledgeable, and there, there's so many good uh, options for you in terms of how you go about looking after your debt situation. Uh, there's uh, financial counseling available. They'll sit down with you, go through everything, walk you through the process uh, in just a really thoughtful way. And uh, also, if you want to take a first step before doing that, and just go to their website and check out all the good information information that's there. There's so many good questions and answers uh, that you can read through and, and may help you make that decision. It's sands-trustee.com or you can give them a call 1-800-661-3030 and get that first free consultation uh, and a sit down and find an office uh, near you regardless of where you are in British Columbia. Uh, chances are very good there's an office near you. You're listening to Dollars and Cents with Blair Manton from Sands & Associates, helping you get out of debt. You've been listening to Dollars and Cents. See you next time. The proceeding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance <laughs> recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.